This is Angie Callen from CareerBenders, your host of the No More Mondays podcast here, as promised, with part two of my origin story, where we're flipping the script and here to interview me is the executive producer of this podcast, Jane Durkee. Jane, I'm super excited to pick up this conversation where we left off in episode three, and I know you have some fun and insightful questions in store for both me and our listeners, so take it away. Hi, Angie. I am so excited to be back to dig into your brain. So are you ready? I am. I I think I'm ready as long as you don't ask me another three person I want to meet stumper. What happens if someone tells you you can't do something? What happens to you? Bad things happen to them. No, <laughs> uh, I that is about the biggest motivator you can give me. Um, if you want to see me achieve an outcome, you tell me something's not possible. <laughs> and I think a lot of that comes from that kind of compulsion in a way to re- not just see potential, but realize it. Because mm-hmm. in a way, by telling me I can't do something, you're telling me I don't have that potential and I am going to prove you wrong. Can you think of a time when you were little? Can you remember a time when oh. when you realized that that's how you were wired? Hmm. That's an excellent question. Or, you know, grade school, junior high, age, formative years. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember that I was outright told you can't do this, but I think that there was the assumption that getting into Carnegie Mellon for an engineering program was just never going to happen because I did grow up in a small town with, let's call it a less than college preparatory high school experience. Okay. And so not, I think there's not only the assumption that you can't go do that, but to come out and succeed from it was a whole nother, another ball game. How was that uh, prejudice or opinion communicated to you? I feel like in a way it was more, it wasn't, it wasn't, it it may have been something I assumed myself because everyone where I grew up stayed where I grew up. And so even to add to not just Carnegie Mellon engineer, the idea of like, you can't go live somewhere else. Everybody stays here. And even I I would actually come back and say that might be, as I think about it, something that came up many times throughout my older childhood and even early, early adult years when I moved to Boston, because I used to talk about, you know, what happened happened with Colorado is I, I moved to Boston after college. And I learned how to ski while snowboard. Okay. I was 20. It was my 23rd birthday. The first day I ever went snowboarding. So people tell you, you can't learn how to snowboard when you're an adult. There you go. That one's yeah. wrong. But I, uh, I came out to Colorado on vacation several years later. And I was like, why am I driving I-95 to go to Maine and ski ice every day when I could just live here? <laughs> and that, that definitely brought the noise. You can't move to Colorado. You can't do this. Why would you do that? And it wasn't because you can't. It's because no one else does. Interesting. And I think that that's the same with the college, moving away from hometown, uh, taking the leap of faith to move from you know East Coast out here. It wasn't that they told me I can't. It was assumed you can't because no one does. And I was going to buck the trend because don't you know just because everybody else does or doesn't do it does not mean I'm not going to. That also is interesting that it taps into if you're in a situation or in your career and people are telling you, you no, know, you can't change careers, you can't try a different industry, you can't pivot because no one has done it. There's no example of success. That taps into fear, really. Totally. And I want to be the one that sits here and tells you you can and then shows you you can. And fear is, fear is natural. Fear is healthy. But there, I think that there's a very fine line between that health 
unhealthy fear and the disabling fear that becomes very common for many reasons, whether it's I can't do it because I've got golden handcuffs at my job and they pay me too much. I have too many responsibilities. I have kids. I have a car payment. I have this. I have that. There's a lot of excuses that we can tell ourselves that perpetuates that fear that then puts us into no action mode versus the idea that like I have healthy fears. I'm going to make sure that I do what I can to address them in this process and move forward in a way that does not put me in a bad situation. Um, but I, I want to be somebody that comes in here and says, okay, fears, fears are good. We use them as parameters, but you're still going to move forward. Your mission about, you know, inspiring the confident professional. How does that for someone who doesn't have that innate confidence, or maybe they had it, but it was drilled out of them from burnout. How do you help manifest that for people? And that is really common, Jane. It's from, and I found, and that's where that that tagline and mission came from, is that I started finding that everyone I talked to, whether they were a 22-year-old new grad trying to figure out where the heck they belonged in the professional world, or was somebody with 20 plus years experience trying to figure out how to level up as an executive or how to move out of a company they've been at for 10 years, just in, in the coaching and the way I approach it, there's a kind of an inherent confidence building aspect to it. First, getting somebody else's thoughts, opinions, and perspectives on your experience can go a long way to kind of validating or growing confidence around what you've done or what you want to do. Resumes are, that is one of the biggest fulfilling components of what I get to do because I get to put you on paper and let you see yourself through someone else's eyes. And the amount of times that somebody says, oh my gosh, I never knew I could look this way, could look this way is insanely amazing for me and a huge boost of confidence for them that gives them the courage to go step out and push themselves out of their comfort zone. The the comfort zone thing, I think, is also something that that's really important for people to talk about and being able to realize um, and tap into that good fear that you talked about. Is that skill something that you learned over time? Or do you feel like you were just born that way, knowing how to do that for yourself and for your clients? I think that it's two parts. I think that I have always naturally been that way. And it it took a long time. It took taking risks. It took making changes to kind of understand it about myself. I am a very naturally driven person. Um, I don't know how to sit still is probably a good way to put it. And I think through that kind of natural quality, along with using it to make change and kind of see where it's going and falling on my face more than times than I'd like to admit, making big blunders has given me an ability to one, understand where people are at because I've been there, but also understand how to emotion, you know, bring emotional intelligence and intuition to the process to guide them into a future that aligns with what they really want, but they may be trapped in the fear of not going after. Aha, that is the magic bullet right there. That's great. Thinking about the way you just described that, because not everyone reacts that way and you're able to help them see themselves differently. You're reflecting that back. What would you do in your life anyway, because you love it and you didn't get paid for it? So... I'm going to answer this in a different way. If you asked me, if you said, Angie, if you could go have any job and do anything in the world, what would you do? I would have a cooking show on the Food Network. Ah. And so my my creative outlet is cooking. Um, I guess that I live, I, 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 I stay true to my Italian roots because I love, I like to feed people and that's how I show my love. If it was not about money, I would, I would have a gluten-free bakery. I just don't want to, I just don't want to have to, you know, get up at 4am to cook stuff. 
Um, right. But I've, I mean, we've tossed around ideas of cooking shows. I've got maybe cookbook ideas. Like I love, I love food and I would do something around food, no matter if it paid me $1 or a million dollars. How have you improved or how have you tapped into the, your love of cooking? Ah, um, well, you know, funny enough, we've been very fortunate to not have too much disruption to quality of life because we could still go outside. But let's see, I'm trying to think if I've written any new recipes throughout quarantine. Um, Cause you know, on, on my side of the whole work from home thing of 2020, you know, I was actually busier because um, so many people needed career support. So if anything, I would actually answer that question by telling you that Jim honed his cooking skills over the last <laughs> year. <laughs> so how does he keep you out of the kitchen from telling him what to do in the kitchen? <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> Honey, <laughs> uh, you, you should just use that pot. How do you do that? Yeah. Why you that? I mean, he's great. He would be so bad at me if he knew I was talking about this. But um, <laughs> it's great for if it actually goes on air. We just are so funny, different. Like I am, ex- like all neat and tidy when I cook, and like Jim uses every single pot, pan, and utensil in the kitchen. And so he's we we've had fun though. That's food is something that we enjoy together, and yeah. um, it's actually been fun to have him kind of like take it over because he cooks way different stuff that I would. Um, you know, I, I cook Italian food and kind of like homey food and he trends Asian. Because you flipped that question, that theme, is that something that you bring into your conversations with your clients and, and coaching and confidence? Yes. Tap, you haven't tapped into that. Yeah. As far as that, like, what do you enjoy doing? If you could do anything in the world, what are those fleeting, crazy ideas that you've come up with that you're like, oh, if I could do, if I could do anything, I'd do X. Or if I didn't have to make money, I would do Y. They may be the most ridiculous. You can never like actually live on this idea kind of ideas, but there's usually a spark there that gives us some sort of inspiration for how to move forward. Yeah, that I think that's a really good method to get. It's a different way of thinking. I think that's really great. Can you think of a situation where you were working with a client, it could be recently or not, that you honestly tried everything in your bag of tricks and you just didn't get the collective result you wanted? What, when you think about that, if it happened, you know, what would you attribute that to? This may not be a great answer when you're a coach, but this has actually happened more than once. And, and what I find is that there is a timing and mindset that have to come together to be open to the possibilities of change. And if you're just not there, it's not going to come. Um, I actually have a specific client who we really worked on changing her career for, you know, several months together. And it just, she just, she was really unhappy in her job and we just couldn't figure out what else because she didn't have the hope to be able to have the vision that there was nothing else out there. Now, what happened was she ended up changing jobs. Now, she moved kind of what I would call parallel from one job to another job that was very similar, but removed herself from a pretty toxic environment and it helped her headspace. And she ended up coming back to me actually just a few months ago to say, Angie, and this is actually now an extreme answer to the question, but she said to me, Angie, I know what I want to do and I want to start coaching business. So we're in the process of actually building... um, a positive mindset coaching business for her. So for her and you're had, helping her do that. Yeah, wow. Exactly. So she had kind of uh, an extreme outcome on the far end, but the first part of that story, as far as, you know, you have to be ready and willing to, to uh, entertain this process. And if you're, and sometimes you're just not there, but it takes trying the process to know you're just not there. What kind of 
tactics or tips would you do you suggest when you're working with clients for them to start to get in that headspace? Because that can seem very daunting for people. We are, especially as women, we are really hard on ourselves. We are totally that cliche about being our own worst critics is totally true. And that that the idea that the voice and conversations we have are, are sel- with ourselves are the loudest. And I, I think it's really important to understand how much you can and can't do and to draw the line at the point where you're starting to push yourself over it, because that's where we begin to fail or, or not meet expectations and we become hard on ourselves. So how do you help people to recognize, because I'm guessing it probably is obvious to you which plate to drop, but how do you how do you have that conversation with people? It's funny, Jane. I usually know the answer to somebody's question within 10 minutes of talking to them, but it's <laughs> them through the process of discovering the answer that is that is critical. And I think it's important to one, be that voice that oftentimes they can't create in their own head and maybe point out what is obvious on the outside and giving them permission because we aren't very good at giving ourselves permission. I've had people who I've, I have given them permission to stop a job search. I, I've said, I think the best thing you can do right now is not job search for the next month. And it's the best thing we've ever done. And so sometimes I think empowering somebody to take an action or remove an action that they feel compelled and obligated to do is a good step in showing them it's perfectly fine to do it and that there is no giant fallout if you, you know, don't have this plate on on a stick in front of you right now. And so I end up talking to a lot of people who just are new to the whole world of coaching in general and kind of explaining to them how it looks. And one of my biggest pieces of advice for somebody who is uh, trying to find a coach or thinking about bringing a coach into your life is that, and this is exactly what I say, whether it's me or somebody else, you want to find somebody who gets where you want to go and can steer the steer you towards those goals appropriately, but ultimately who you fit with and who you feel like you enjoy. This is a very personal process and you're going to be spending a lot of time with somebody. You should work with somebody that you like. That is a really good point because I feel like if somebody, you know, somebody's out there struggling in in their life and what to do with their career path, regardless of age and experience, if you just sat down and Googled career coach, it's overwhelming. And I have a lot of people who they'll they'll say, you know, I, I, I read your website and I came to you because the way you spoke and the what you wrote was exactly how I'm feeling. And so that that automatically gives them some semblance of confidence around the fact that I, I get where they're at. There might be people who need a little bit more of like inspirational, altruistic coaching who feel I'm too practical for them, right? So it's not not every coach is a fit for every client. Okay, so here's another out of the blue question. Gut reaction, no time to think. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars, Baby Yoda. Okay, and why? <laughs> um, I. It's funny, I grew up, my, growing up, my dad always watched Star Trek, and uh, Jim's family are huge Star Trekkies. I always just like the kind of, I think, longer storylines of Star Wars uh-huh. um, and the kind of almost more, you know, deeper dives into characters and um, ba- basically just from a movie versus TV format, having the ability to kind of flesh those out a little bit more. Of course, now yeah. that it's come out with Star Trek movies, but I think if I had to pick, I'd probably lean, lean Star Wars. Okay. Do you remember the first time you saw after you watched all three? 
Hmm, now there's a good question. Well, I mean, I went to a geeky engineering school, so I'm in there with engi- you know, geeky <laughs> engineers, and I pretty I probably thought, wow, this is pretty geeky. I just think I think I remember thinking about how like, oh man, I finally got to experience this like iconic thing. But like light, lightsabers and all this kind of stuff. And even though uh-huh. we don't have those things now. And when you found out the relationship of Darth Vader and Luke, what did you? It was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> How is that possible? If you could compose all the Beatles music or be a famous world leader, which one would you pick and why? Well, I'm going to give a very unpopular answer. I don't really like the Beatles very much, so I would probably okay. be a famous world leader. Also, just okay. my personality, I'm probably more more trend towards famous world leaders. But yeah, I've never been a huge Beatles fan. So if I could if I could insert that with something else, what would it be from a music point of view oh, to get you thinking? Music? Oh, if I could go to every Led Zeppelin concert ever ever out there, I would totally do that instead. Aha! Uh-huh. So if yeah. you could be in Led Zeppelin, oh yeah. Or- be a famous world leader, which one would you I'd pick? I'd go Led Zeppelin, hands down. <laughs> There's always time to be a famous world leader, but I miss the childhood. I miss, I miss being 20s in the 70s, so I could have gotten all that stuff. <laughs> okay, Angie, as you know, you ask every guest on every No More Mondays podcast episode what their word is for Mondays. In the spirit of flipping the script, I need to ask you the same question. What is your word for Mondays? Well, I have a serious answer and I have a funny answer. I think I'll start with B. So one of the ways I have found to like Mondays more is that I actually start my week on Sundays. So therefore, we could equate my word for Monday as Tuesday, not to get everybody jumbled in a riddle. But to be, on a serious note, I actually see clients on Sundays just to be able to uh, to accommodate people's work schedule. So it, effectively, Sunday is my Monday and I don't like it any less than I actually like real Mondays. My serious answer for the word that I associate with Mondays is potential. We all know now that we've been through this kind of origin exploration that I love tapping into potential and helping people be the very best version of themselves they can be. And there is no better opportunity to do that than each Monday morning when our possibilities are endless and our potential renews for the week. Angie, Angie, this is so much fun. I've learned a lot about you that I haven't heard you talk about before. So this was great for the audience who may not know you yet, but will get to know you. And I know you had a couple of closing remarks you wanted to make. I do. So one of the ways that we always close the No More Mondays podcast is to ask our guests, what is one action our listeners can take today to inch themselves forward towards a more fulfilling and enjoyable career? So as I ask myself that question, My advice to you is to take one action. Uh, When we talk about analysis paralysis, it can can definitely stunt us into taking no action. Consumer 101, if you have too many choices, you'll make none. So my, my advice to you is find one small action and change you can make towards moving your mindset or moving your actual situation towards a more fulfilling goal. Whether that is picking up a book, whether that is adopting a morning routine, whether that is looking at coaches, whatever it is, I encourage you to actually take a step forward and put one little tiny bit into action to help you set and achieve your career goals. I'm just going to throw one thing since we were talking about Star Wars. Yoda, do or do not. There is no try.
Perfect closing. That actually goes. That actually goes really well. I kind of wish I had thought of that. That would be perfect. Well, I'm sitting here looking at my little Yoda doll that I have on my desk. <laughs> I thoroughly want to thank you for sticking with Jane and I as we have flipped the script. And Jane, I want to thank you for being such a good sport and all of a sudden becoming the interim host. And I hope you've enjoyed the opportunity to get a little bit more insight into this host's motivations, passions, and personality. I really enjoyed sharing a little bit more about me and how I've gotten to career satisfaction. And I hope even more that you'll stick with us as we have more great conversations with professionals in all walks of life. As always, we'd love for you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating here at the No More Mondays podcast, wherever you listen and subscribe to your podcast so that we can continue to inspire confident professionals everywhere with these great stories of people who actually enjoy what they do for work. If you'd like to leave us comments, feedback, or guest suggestions, please visit us at nomoremondays.info. Thanks for listening to this episode of No More Mondays. We hoped you grabbed some great insights to help you improve your professional satisfaction. Please visit us at Apple iTunes and give us a rating so we can continue to offer you awesome interviews and content each week. No More Mondays. New episodes drop every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit our website at careerbenders.com. That's careerbenders, B as in boy, S as in Sam.com. This is your host, Angie Callen, signing off. Until next week, when we chat with another inspired, confident professional. <laughs>